I'm Eduardo Medina, Editor-in-Chief of the Auburn Plainsman. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Assistant Community Editor Evan Melins about his front-page story on Auburn's possible enrollment cap. Evan's story explores the potential impact that housing could see from keeping enrollment at 25,000 undergraduate students. His story also goes into how the city's economy could pivot, for better or for worse, with this change in enrollment. That's all coming up. We'll be right back with Evan Melins. Hey, this is Michaela Burns, Managing Editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just wanted to remind everyone that if you'd like to support Suite 1111 and the newsroom that creates it, you can log on to theplainsman.com, click on the upper right-hand button that says Donate, and support over 125 years of local, independent journalism right here on the Plains. Once again, that's theplainsman.com, and find the orange button that says Donate. Thanks in advance for your support, and now back to the show. Evan Melins, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, well, you know what's funny about you just asking that? Just yeah. a slight little tangent. So <laughs> when people ask me that on the podcast mm-hmm. before, I'll say, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. And I haven't said that in a while because I've been conscious of it because my family started making fun of me about it. And I'm, some good, of y'all, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. So this week I will not say that, even though I just said that three times. So Evan, uh, it's Friday. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Your story was on uh, page one this week, and it deals with stuff that journalists usually shy away from, which is numbers and math mm-hmm. and the economy in general. Yeah. But I wonder, could you walk us through what it is, what's what it's about, and how you came up with the idea? Yeah, for sure. So one thing that I, th- I think part of the reason that I didn't really shy away from this is I'm actually a really big math guy. <laughs> I, I like math, um, but I also like journalism, um, obviously. So I kind of got this idea because I was sitting there thinking about this enrollment cap. And my mom actually told me, you know, if they cap enrollment, it's going to make it harder to get in for some people, of Mm -hmm. course, because it's going to get more competitive. And then I was was thinking about other ways this cap might manifest itself. And I thought, Auburn's not in the bubble, you know. Mm -hmm. Auburn University is in the city of Auburn. So if you say students make up a pretty good portion of the population in Auburn. They're technically actually supposed to be counted in the census as citizens of the city of Auburn. It's a pretty big number. It's hard to say right where it is. So if they make up a pretty substantial portion, if you limit their growth, it's obviously going to have some sort of effect. Right. Yeah. So the, the cap is at 25,000, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're considering the university. Yeah. So could you walk us through the pros and cons of that as it relates to the city? Not so much the university, but like strictly just the city and yeah. how does that kind of change how the city deals with its housing and its economy in general? Yeah, so um, you can look at it from a few different ways. One way is, and it's actually the first thing I mentioned in the article, is it's simply going to affect the demographics of the city. Right. Um, and they, the city of Auburn actually says this in their master plan for the financial report, something like that. Um, they say the demographics of the city are generally going to get older. And then also you might see an effect on tax revenue. This may not be quite as substantial because there are so many different factors that go into tax revenue. It's really unpredictable, Mm -hmm. especially when you live in Auburn, where the main tax revenue for the city is sales tax. And sales tax is very unpredictable compared to property tax, which is where a lot of other cities 
most other states, the cities get most of their revenue from property tax, right? which is pretty reliable year by year. But regardless, if you have a city that's been growing for a long time, and then you, you arrest part of that growth, the tax revenue may not grow at the same rate that it had in the past. Mm. And Jim Buston, he said, it's probably not going to be a very substantial thing, but it might be a slight negative on tax growth. The other thing that it might affect is housing in the city. So if you look in the past, the Danter report is the student housing report that's conducted 2013, 2015, 2018. In 2013, 2015, that report said, hey, there is a demand for more beds, more bedrooms, more apartment complexes in Auburn. And a lot of developers said, hey, well, that's a really good opportunity for me. I'm going to go and I'm going to go build some of these big complexes that you see downtown. Right. You know the ones I'm talking about, right? Uh, so you're saying, you know, Weston Wright, uh, 160 Ross, 191 College. Exactly. These large, you know, that fit, what, 450 students? Yeah, something beds, like rather. that. Yeah. yeah. And those are called large private dorms. And I hit on that in my article. But either way, they started building. And some property owners, especially some of the smaller property owners, they think they built too much. So now we have an overcompensation for the amount of demand we had. Mm. And if you don't let the student population grow more to fill those rooms that are empty right now, a lot of property owners think it's just going to get worse. And when Mm. I say it is going to get worse, I'm saying the vacancy rate is going to stay where it is or it might get higher. For who is that a negative? So that is a negative for... Mostly the owners, because when you have a surplus of housing, if you have a surplus of anything, its prices are going to go down because they're trying to sell all this excess product they have. So for me and you, for other students looking for housing, that's a good thing. But for the developers, for these property owners, that's a bad thing. They lose some revenue. They're not able to, you know, pay their bills quite as easily, things like that. And that's especially hard. As Ray Huff, who I quote in the article, for the small guys, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the long term, because they may not have as much backing from banks as some of these big... And Ray Huff is a local real estate... Yeah, yeah. Ray Huff, he owns Auburn Realty, Mm -hmm. which is a local local real estate company for student housing. Right. Yeah. I guess you're saying it'll be good for students because... The cost of these apartments is going to go down mm-hmm. and it's going to be bad for the owners of these apartment buildings because obviously they're not going to make money. Yeah. But what does the city think about this? Buston thinks that the student housing market is right at saturation. Right. So what I mean when I say that, he says we have pretty much the right amount of beds for how many students we have. Mm. But we're right on the cusp mm-hmm. of oversaturation. So we are almost at the point of building too much. Right. So if we are to build more and we're not going to grow the student base, uh, there's definitely a case that could be made that we would have too much housing, as some of those other property owners believe. I'm going to get into one thing real quick. Sure. The reason that nobody's really on the same page here about whether there's too much housing or there's not enough Because the student housing report that Mm -hmm. the city released, not the Danter report, the Danter report, there's some controversy around that because it didn't take into account a lot of the small real estate owners like Ray Huff. Mostly that really counted these big complexes. Right. 
So the city did its own student housing report. And in that report, it didn't calculate a vacancy rate. Hmm. Yeah. So you have a, there's a part of your story that says, um, you know, in some ways, capping the enrollment at 25,000 will reduce the need for guesswork on the city's end, Mm -hmm. right? And, And seeing what they allow to be built, what they don't. But then you make a good point, or you, the people you speak with made a good point that for some people, specifically developers, it's a little too late yeah. for this. Can you talk about that and walk us through that? Mm-hmm. So the good thing, like you said, it eliminates a lot of guesswork that the city has to do because the city, when they're making revenue projections, they, have, they do that two years in advance. Right. And when they make these revenue projections, they look at tons of factors, tons of trends. One of those is the student population because students, you know, they spend money downtown. They do things like that. And if they don't have to guess anymore on how many students they're going to have, that eliminates a little bit of guesswork that they have to do, make things easier on them, which is a positive. The negative being the developers that built these big complexes, they built these complexes based on the past projections, those guesses, especially from the university, who said, hey, we're going to keep letting in all these students each year, more and more and more. Right. And as city manager Jim Buston said, they kind of backtracked on that recently. And when the university said, we may not let in more students than basically we have right now, right? I think some owners are worried because they're not going to be able to fill those bedrooms. Right. So Evan, we, we've talked about um, how capping enrollment, undergraduate enrollment, I should say, how capping that at 25,000 and how that will impact the city, right? Its effects on the housing market and the economy in general. But, you know, the graduate enrollment, is, it's not going to be capped, as we yeah. know. It's going to be increased to 7,000, I think, right? Mm-hmm. You know, does that negate any of the narratives that you talked about today? Or, I don't know, I wonder if you can just walk us through yeah. through that. So I think the narrative of the story, you know, I don't think it changes the narrative of the story, the fact that they're raising graduate enrollment. Obviously, it is an important detail, but what what I've written and what I've said, um, it's not negated by that fact, which is a good question because graduate students are an important part of the university. But an important thing to remember is that graduate students, they often don't live where undergraduate students live. Mm. So if you look at the standard, you look at Western Wright, places right. like that, that's mostly undergraduates. There aren't very many graduate students that live there. I can't give you a number, mm-hmm. but I would assume it's not very high. And that's because graduate students are typically, they're more scrupulous in their spending, which I mentioned in the article. They're also oftentimes financially supporting themselves. Right. So they're not usually willing to put up the, you know, I don't even know, $1,000 a month to live in these big high-rise complexes. Right. They also behave differently. They don't spend as much time downtown at bars, you'd think so. Their spending habits are a little bit different. But the main thing is that housing, they are going to be living a lot of times in actual houses, places like that, not in these uh, large private dorms, as we said. That makes complete sense. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, they're not really, they're a whole separate thing mm-hmm. from undergraduates yeah. and how they live here. One important thing to point out, though, as a university, undergraduates typically supply a lot of money for the university. 
Mm. Graduate students, they don't usually pay as much. They get a lot of grants. This is just in general. Right. They get a lot of grants, things like that. So while you may be losing some money by you may you may be losing some tuition dollars by bringing in um, more graduate students and less undergraduate. What you're going to be gaining is a lot more research, mm. um, things like that. Which I talked to Dr. Jay Mattal, and he's a city planning professor here at Auburn. And this that's one of the things he really hit on is that graduate students bring in research, they bring in grants for the university, they bring in things like that, right. where it might not have quite as much of a monetary value in terms of tuition dollars. Right. Yeah. So that, you know, it's a, it was a very calculated decision, it sounds like, on the university's part. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I'm not going to speak for the university, but I don't think this is something that they just decided one day. It was like, hey, <laughs> I think Auburn's too big. Let's. Yeah, it sounds like it was a uh, yeah. thought out. Um, I'd, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I absolutely... Love this story because I know that I could never do it uh, and involve so many topics that I don't any- know anything about. So good job on this. Thank you. Um, congrats on being in the front. And yeah. uh, you can, you're free to enjoy your Friday now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This was, a, this was a great way to enjoy my Friday. It was. It was yeah. good. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you, Evan. Mm-hmm. My thanks to Evan Melins for being with us today. You can find a story in our print edition around Auburn and online at theplainsman.com. Sweet 1111 is part of the Plainsman Podcast Network in a co-production with Weagle Radio. Special thanks to Weagle News Director Grayson Moyer for producing and editing this episode. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it, and be sure to let us know how we're doing by giving us a quick review. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a party in the USA. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a party in the USA.